0: So today we're looking at what has been called the triumphal entry, uh, what has been called Palm Sunday. Uh, That's why I have palms back here today on Palm Sunday. That's why we uh, have offered uh, palms on the church lawn today for palm crosses for you to pick up. Uh, It's one of those Sundays in the church year that we celebrate every year. And yet I think it's one that we celebrate with a bit of confusion. What's the point, we might ask? Children love it. I used to love it as a kid to wave the palm branches in church, to uh, sing the special songs. Uh, But um, I think we might not have fully grasped, I know I didn't as a kid, and uh, probably still don't fully grasp the significance of this day. But first, we know that it's a pretty big deal. We see that... um, Mark makes a point of saying that this is the fulfillment of a prophecy in Zechariah. Uh, The prophecy goes like this, uh, Zechariah 9, verse 9, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion! Shout, daughter Jerusalem! See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, which also means saved, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. So this Jesus coming into Jerusalem on the colt, the full of a donkey, is declaring that this Savior is coming. And it's interesting to note that Solomon, King Solomon, in all of his splendor as a king, entered Jerusalem at the beginning of his reign, also on a donkey. This ceremony is modeled after the coronation ceremony, the ceremony in which a person would become king or queen. So there is a a real picture here of Jesus ascending to his throne. Historians believe that there was another parade in Jerusalem that day at the beginning of the Passover uh, week. um, Pontius Pilate would generally come to town. He lived uh, in Caesarea Philippi, I believe, which is next to the sea, uh, and in his um, his home was there uh, at the at the shore, as we would say. Uh, But Every Passover, he would make sure to come into Jerusalem and with all the pomp and circumstance available would make his entry. And the point was, he understood what Passover was. Passover was the commemoration of the Jews being released from captivity from Egypt. They escaped the tyrannical reign of the Egyptians and Pontius Pilate came into town to make sure that they knew this was not going to happen again, a sign of power and authority. So the result of this was that, of Jesus coming in in this way, was that it created some some hopes and dreams, some patriotic hopes and dreams for the people, political dreams, military dreams. Jesus is going to come in, they believed, and fix this problem that we have of the Romans in governance over us. And they assumed, because that's how coups happen, that it would be a military thing. At least, at the very least, a political thing. But that Jesus would exert his power, however he exerted it, to get the Romans out and to reestablish Israel's reign over themselves. These expectations are made clear by the word Hosanna, save us, save us. In verse, uh, is what Hosanna means. In verse nine, it says, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now, if you know what the kingdom of David was like, it was the heyday of the people, it was the time that they looked back to as the time when everything was right and everything was good and israel had the um the clout that they believed they deserved and why not they were a powerful kingdom and they believed that possibly jesus was coming back to reestablish them as david established them as Uh, An important place, an important self-governing people. But, although this day seemed like a very big deal, it appeared in retrospect like it wasn't a very big deal at all. The hopes for the overthrow of Rome are called into question. Jesus, when he has the opportunity at the end of this uh, passage, which leads into the passage we looked at a couple weeks ago, when Jesus goes to the temple, he doesn't go to the palace of the Romans. He doesn't go to the palace to, to take them on. In fact, the Romans had built a palace right next to the temple in order to... Uh, display their authority and their power uh, even over the most holy place of Jerusalem you would think they are, they thought that Jesus would go to the palace and put those Romans in their place but where does Jesus go instead? it goes to the temple the very holy place of the people that um, that are looking for him to push the others out. And as we looked at a couple weeks ago, when he goes there, he doesn't push out the foreigners like they'd hoped. He doesn't push out those that the the religious leaders thought didn't belong. What he does is he pushes out the religious people because he said, this is supposed to be a place of prayer for all nations and you are limiting it. So Jesus doesn't rise up against the authority that they hoped he would rise up against. And he makes no promise to restore the good old days that they remember hearing about. And people, they end up turning on him. As we know, the the irony, what we we talk about every year is the the crowds claiming, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Praise this one who comes in the name of the Lord on Sunday. But then by uh, Thursday, they're shouting, or, or Friday, shouting, crucify him. We wonder, is it the same crowd? Well, probably some of them were the same. And we might say, well, they're, they're fickle. How can they be so excited one day and not the next? Well I don't think they're fickle at all. They have they maintain their same hopes and expectations' they're, they're um, committed to those, but it's Jesus that they believe is was one thing and then they believed he was not that thing it's very ironic uh, I believe that uh, the gospel writer is very careful here um, in verse nine saying, "'Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord.'" It's a quote from Psalm 118, which comes, this quote comes immediately after. In Psalm 118, the words, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The gospel writer saw that This one that they thought was the right one, then they thought wasn't the right one, actually was the right one. The stone, even rejected by the builders, has become the cornerstone of God's reign. This procession that seemed like a big deal, and then, in retrospect, didn't seem like such a big deal. As we look at it in retrospect, we might say, well, yeah, there was the, the Romans, when they came into town, were riding horses, and they had armor, and they had musicians blaring music. They made a show of their power. They made a show of their authority. And this guy... <laughs> This guy has no horse. This guy has no armor. This guy is on a borrowed burrow. And the clothes that are on the burrow's back are not his either. Other people's clothes in a borrowed burrow, this guy rides into town. There's no pomp, no great declaration of power. The governmental authorities have their own stuff. When they come in with, these, um, with their horses and their armor and the pomp and circumstance, it's an expression of their power. They own the horses. They own the armor. They own the band that's playing. And Jesus comes with a borrowed colt and borrowed clothes. And Jesus comes in on a donkey, which at the time was known as the way. Someone comes in who is peaceful, not militaristic, not seeking or uh, displaying power, but coming in peacefully. And when Solomon came in peacefully, it made sense to them because the... Kingdom was in a good place. Everything was going well. But now they would believe this is not the time to come in peacefully. This is the time to declare your power. That's the way you can rescue us. So this procession, which seemed like a big deal and ended up then not seeming like a very big deal. What was it? Well... It was a really, really big deal. It was the biggest deal ever. At the end of the account in Luke, of the account of Jesus writing in, the the religious leaders say to Jesus, tell these people to be quiet. What they're saying, thats you shouldn't let them say that. And Jesus says, if they stop speaking, the rocks will cry out. And what he's saying is, that I am, Jesus says, I am indeed the Messiah. I am the Holy One from God, and I, as creator and as ruler over all things, can make the rocks sing. Matthew, in his uh, account of this, says that the whole city was stirred as Jesus came into town, and they kept asking, who is this man? And the same word for stirred is used um, in Matthew 27, 51, where when Jesus died, it says the earth was shaken and the rocks were split. So I would go to the uh, interpreters who chose to use the word stirred, and I would probably quote James Bond. I would say shaken, not stirred. This is a huge deal. The The people are shaken up, and then the earth is shaken up. This is a very big deal. Whatever is happening, even though it doesn't seem like the big deal they were hoping for, is a very big deal. And when we look back at Zechariah, we see um, that, yes, Jesus is fulfilling this prophecy, riding in on a donkey, lowly on a colt, the foal of a donkey. But then we read on and we say, and we see that he says, he will proclaim peace to the nations. Not the nation, the nations. He will, his rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. This that looked like a big deal to a few people and ended up not being such a big deal is a huge deal because it's way bigger than what the people thought it was. This is the Lord of the universe establishing his reign over all of the earth. Not over a little part of the earth but over all the earth. Not over a few people but over all people. The other thing we see in Zechariah is that it says he is victorious. He is, uh, in verse 9, your king comes to you righteous and victorious. And in the um, Hebrew, it says saved. And that has caused some um, commentators to get confused. Well, how how is Jesus saved? He's the one who saves us. And the answer comes as a wonderful um, illumination of the mind to say He's saved because even though he died, God, by God's Spirit, raised him from the dead. He took all sin upon himself and was saved from the the death that that uh, caused him. So he is indeed victorious. He has won, but not the way they thought. In fact, this procession that looked like a coronation ended up being a funeral procession because his ultimate victory demands that he fully enter our pain. James Mueller says it this way, When we try to fathom how great is the love of God, let us consider one thing. He wanted that week to happen, not in the sense that he threw in the towel, but he was the one in control. He came to Jerusalem so the soldiers would win. The nails would win. The cross would win. He wanted to lose, so he gave up. The real scandal of Christian theology is that Jesus wanted sin to crush him. He wanted sin to crush him so that it wouldn't crush me. He wanted sin to crush him so that it wouldn't crush you. Every nail takes away thousands of years of evidence against us. The worst thing you ever did, the most shameful, he'd rather have it stuck to his wrist than read as charges against you in the eternal courtroom. The way to salvation, to bringing salvation to the world, was suffering and struggling and dying. And people see that he came in meek, and they say, Meek rhymes with weak, and they're synonymous. And I would maintain that in this sense and many other occasions, meekness is not a synonym of weakness. In fact, it is the opposite. weakness. For to be meek implies an inner strength, a strength that you don't use to get your way. A meekness is how Christians are to be known. The Bible says, let your gentleness be evident to all. So we do not need to rise up and declare our rights and declare what we want. Jesus tells us right here, he demonstrates to us that that is not the way for his followers to behave but we are to be meek, which means that we understand, just like Jesus understood and experienced, a depth of strength, a depth of strength that came straight from God the Father. But he didn't use it to beat people up, to push people around. In fact, he willingly struggled and suffered and died. Doug Bratt, a commentator, I appreciate very much, uh, says it this way. He's referring to the Matthew passage where at the end of the passage it says the people were stirred, shaken, and asked the question, who is this man? And he says, how do we answer the question, who is this Jesus? How we answer it helps us shape whether Jesus disappoints us or comforts us, frustrates us, or encourages us. Those who answer by identifying him as some kind of political hero will be disappointed. While his rule has political dimensions, Jesus did not come simply to fix political problems. Those who answer, who is this Jesus, with he's a kind of handyman who fixes all our problems, they will also be disappointed. While Jesus' rule does have relational dimensions, people who assume that Jesus came to fix marriages, straighten out children, or give us many friends will be disappointed. While Jesus' rule has economic dimensions, he didn't mainly come to provide economic comfort, guarantee good pensions, or create good jobs. Those who answer, who is this Jesus with, he heals us from all our diseases, like COVID-19, may be disappointed. All healing comes from God, but God doesn't heal everyone who gets sick. While Jesus is the great physician, some diseases remain among the enemies that God has not yet fully defeated. The angel who visited Joseph before Jesus was born said to him that Jesus would save us from our sin. Who is this Jesus? He is the one who with his own precious blood bought us body and soul, to be his very own. He's the one whom the Father sent to completely free and make us right with God. He is the one who has freed his followers from sin and the control of the devil. He's the one who has delivered us from the anguish and torment of hell itself. Trust in Jesus for who he is and what he has done. It is a very big deal.